welcome to the Tony Awards, the podcast where we go through every movie in the Tony Collette filmography. That's... I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And we have a special guest today. Uh, you know him from the Broadway Baby podcast. Introducing Alex Fasala. Hello. How Hello. are you doing, Alex? My back hurts, and I just started watching Game of Thrones uh, 10 years late. So, oh, good wow. Ish. Congrats. Yeah. Well, Don't listen to anybody on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing is like I the reason why I started watching it is because I hadn't seen any of it, but I was fascinated with watching people freak out about how they didn't like it anymore. Yeah. So I know all the spoilers because I was just like, I want to see people just just this weird cultural moment of people going like, that's not what she would do. She's the mother of dragons. I'm like, uh. no idea what that means, but you are emoting very hard right now. So I'm on I was the record. Fascinated as, by it. Yeah, I'm on the record now as saying that I love the ending and I'm smart. Okay, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot more twists in the first six seasons that you. Yeah, won't be I'm on episode for, so. three right now, and so. all of the cast is drastically different. I'm sure for you right now. Mm -hmm. There's people you haven't even met yet that will die. Oh yeah, that you don't know about dying. I'm sure everyone so. I've met, like I, my coworker was trying to get me to watch it, and he's like, "So what do you think about the characters based on the pilot?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like this guy, so I'm sure he's gonna." I don't know, sever a child's spine or something. Like, <laughs> they're going to play that game. Yeah. I wish Tony Collette was on Game of Thrones. I think that she could do it. I think she could yeah. sit on the Iron Throne at the end. Yeah. Right, Sam? I know about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know oh. all the characters' names. All I can think is the Iron Throne looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's also, supposed to be. Yeah. Also, uh, diehard fans of the show get mad when I call it the Sorty Chair. <laughs> Which makes me want to do it more. Swordy chair. Call it the swordy chair. Sword. I yeah. saw a tweet. Swordy chair. I think it was Alana Massey who tweeted that she really enjoys um, at parties referring to it as throne games. Yeah. <laughs> and watching strange men like be like, um, yeah. actually. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about What are we Kosi. talking about this week? Cosi? Talking about Cosi. Cosi. Cosi Fantute. Cosi Fantute. Which is an Australian movie that was released It's aggressively in... Australian. Oh, Very yeah. Australian. Well, yes. I was saying in our last Except podcast. Except for the one Scottish guy for some reason. True. Well, you know, they're a colony of um, the UK. Yeah. But not at that point in time. But I guess <laughs> last week we talked about a very... Um, uh, aggressively Australian movie, but I had never seen an Australian movie before, so okay. I didn't know like if it was just super Australian or if it was just super weird. And this one is actually even weirder than that one. Okay. So I'm assuming that Australia is just like yeah. kind of offbeat. Yeah. Um, this movie was released in 1996, I think. I didn't write it down, and I can't be bothered yes, to was. check. Oh, actually, I don't know. I think it was 97. 97. I don't know. Um, one of those years. Honestly, all of these films that we're watching so far, I'm just organizing in my mind as before The Sixth Sense. True, yeah. true. That's um, fair. So anyway, what this movie is about is um, about a man with no discernible qualities or traits doing drama therapy at a mental health facility in a way that drama therapy has never been done before, which is by putting on a full-scale Italian opera. But just just the just the spoken. They're speaking the operatic lines. Yeah. And yeah. Except for a very notable musical number that's in no way operatic. Yeah. And um, mainly the main drive for him to do that is because a crazy man told him to do it twice. Yeah, and the suddenly fact that he can't fathom not doing exactly. it. Exactly. The idea that 
there's so much about this movie like, that we'll, bothers we'll, we'll me. We'll get yeah. there. We'll get Should there. Should we just start from the beginning and then? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this movie opens on some spectacular homophobia uh, from yeah. the people running the mental institution. They, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they interview the protagonist who I don't know his name and I can't be bothered Lewis. to learn. Lewis. Um, yeah. And he immediately is the most boring person I've ever seen. Immediately. Immediately. His only discernible trait is he's that 90s trope of the white male gunning for 30 going like, I need to do this or I'll never finish anything. I'm like, we saw that with Clerks. It was awesome. And then everybody (laughs) did it and it was far less awesome. Yeah. And it's like if he had any kind of setup besides just the fact that he has a girlfriend and a friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's supposedly an actor slash director, but he's just randomly deciding to apply for a job at a. Well, didn't he lie about being a director entirely? Oh, it was yeah, hard to his follow. friend is one too. I well, feel like I I got the impression that he was supposed to be um, somewhat of a Ferris Bueller type, mm. maybe. Oh, the... that it aged out of it being cute. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Which he which I feel like the actor wasn't making any choices whatsoever. I like Ben Mendelsohn and I like him in this role. There's just nothing to that character. Yeah. I've seen him be much better because he like he's really good in um Captain Marvel. He was one of the scrolls. I really liked him oh. and I liked him in Rogue One. The lead? He's in other things? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, he's had like a career. That's amazing. like even recently. Yeah. Oh, you're you're on his podcast. Like about Yeah, I'm on Mendelcast, yeah. Yeah, Mendelcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to unpack that homophobia real quick? Oh, yeah. So immediately after uh, this job interview during which um, Lewis gives them no reason to hire him, the people in charge of the mental institution, I guess from that one shot of the other candidate for the job in which she kind of looks like Erica Moen, I guess, um, from Oh Joy Sex Toy. I don't know what any of that means. It's I a know w- the title. I don't know who that is. It's a webcomic that... Um, is bad and presents a very not nuanced view of sex positive feminism. Oh, anyway, okay. whatever. Uh, I, I I guess we're supposed to assume just from looking at her that she sucks. Because uh, she, she has ha- pink hair. She has very short pink hair. You know, like someone who sucks. Yeah. Uh, right, and it's the 90s. Yeah. And the people in charge flip a coin and they say, heads, the dyke. Not great. Tails. <laughs> Orson Welles doesn't track. I mean, Orson I, Welles, I get the joke they're trying to make, but it doesn't work because he has no personality. Because well, he was like dressed in a. In, no, it's because he's like an a... actor director. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. It'd be like saying the same thing as saying like Kenneth Branagh. Bradley Cooper, <laughs> circa. Mm-hmm. Well, he's gone in for that one. Yeah. 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 I want him to make more movies. Cyrus Born was so good. <laughs> it, it was. Thank you. And he's a great songwriter. <laughs> I saw it five times. Oh, she only that once. Penny Collette should have been in it. <laughs> As the Bradley Cooper role. Yes. Yes. In full drag. Kate Blanchett does that all the time. I love True. Kate Blanchett on things. Anyway, yeah. she's kind of problematic, though. But not really. Mm. Whatever. I don't have to unpack she that. She was excellent as Bob Dylan somehow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So then we go to, he gets the job and. He goes then to visit his girlfriend, we, Rachel Griffiths. Yes. Return our, of Rachel Griffiths. Our friend from Muriel's wedding. She starred opposite Tony Collette in the last film, which was Tony's like Australian breakout role. Okay. And they were best friends in that movie. And they don't interact at all in this movie. No. Except for when she watches her saying at the end. Yeah. But yes. they, they're actually rivals 
We do have yeah, a yeah. solid uh, through line of Tony Collette betraying Rachel Griffiths we do. through both movies. That is true. Okay. Being a shitty friend and then being terrible being to a... Rachel Griffiths. Although I guess I don't eh, it, I don't know if it was Tony's fault. Did she know that he had a girlfriend? I, I don't care. It's not spelled out care. enough. What is her name in this movie again? <sighs> I I truly don't know. I don't know. I'll look up the cast she, names. She's just barely so in it. it and also has no discernible reason to be there except to kiss him once. Yeah. No, like, she's... Oh, it's the theme of infidelity. And that's not Tony's fault. That is the writer's fault. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. she's the heart of this movie. Movie. They they act like she Maybe. is, but she's there. She's like if a heart was on the outside of your no. body. Like no, who the doesn't heart need of this to... movie is the heart Tony's... of this movie is that other woman, the tall one who is Ruth? sad. Ruth. Yeah, I cried actually. I, I feel didn't like cry, but I Tony's should've... character is about as poorly written as every other character in this movie, which yeah. is very. Oh, and guess why? Julie's her name. What? I did some research on the movie. It's a true story, mm-hmm. and the screenplay was written by real life Lewis, uh, which explains everything, right? Kind of, yeah. It's written. On, it's based on a play as well. Yeah, so it was a play, a play that he wrote, and then it became a movie. So this is a clear analog to Our Country's Good, which is a play I was in in college, which <laughs> is about in the 1700s, a soldier is doing a play as like drama therapy for yeah. Australian inmates when they're colonizing okay. Australia. Very similar actually, right down to the infidelity. Yeah. So and I it's just all people to... who like shoplifted and are now about to be sentenced to murder. Right, I just wanted to put that out there that it's, yeah. in Australia, drama therapy saved Australia. Basically, <laughs> although I texted, uh, Jake, I texted your roommate about this, Chelsea Eason, because. <gasps> oh, that was her. Um... Because she majored in Major, drama therapy yeah. in college. I was like, hey, quick question. <laughs> Could this happen? Is it ever Should pla- this happen? Is it ever plausible as therapy to have um, like mental patients perform an opera in a language that they don't speak? <laughs> and she and she said that performance isn't even a thing in drama therapy at all. It's all just like improv games right. in a room. The fact that hiding it from public eyes. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that it's a true story in that case makes me even more angry at him. Right. Is it a fully true story though, or is it just like a a dramatization of a little bit of like, did he actually do this and then write that, or is he saying, oh, what if I had done this? Are you asking if it's fan fiction about his life? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I want to write that. I think that uh, I, I just read like a sentence saying that uh, it was a play based on time he spent. Drama therapying okay. uh, mental patients. Drama therapying. Okay. Yeah. Drama therapying. So for all I know, maybe he was being a legit drama therapist mm-hmm. and they and that just like didn't work well as a storytelling convention. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But something that struck me about this movie is uh I think that part of the reason why we started this podcast is because Tony Collette has a history of picking very interesting roles and even when the roles themselves aren't very interesting mm-hmm. like her character in little miss sunshine is arguably the least developed oh, really out of that whole ensemble she brings something to the roles a sort of groundedness that and a kookiness yeah a kookiness and it all seems very like it it it, it just always feels like she as an actress is giving the character their due. Yeah. Okay. I never really feel like she's phoning it in. Yeah. That's but very true. This movie made me realize like 
I wonder how many Tony Collettes are trapped inside the terrible roles that are written for women. Oh, and then they never got out. Yeah. She's the Tony that made it out. Exactly. Do we know if Rachel Griffiths is working outside of Australia I to this day? I don't know, but she's fantastic as well. She's great. And she's she... going to be season two of the podcast. Right. <laughs> I mean, just Muriel's Wedding and Kosi yeah. are her two roles that we've seen so far. But no, I think um, that's a really good point because I noticed that the writing, I actually wasn't, I didn't hate the writing of, I thought it's arguably problematic and no, it probably is that these characters are played by, like, obviously non-mentally challenged to the degree they were. Yeah, they didn't people. go to like a real life. Mental but then you get that facility. question of whether it's like, should Forrest Gump have been made, or is it like sometimes some of these people can't actually tell their story, but yeah. they should be told. I think there's a way. I, th- I. Th- a lot of the ways that mentally ill people are treated in this, they are kind of a punchline, but mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. some of those punchlines are good so you feel that it is humanizing them rather than making them like a spectacle. Right. Yeah. I get more mad at movies like Silver Linings Playbook where it's like, hey, everyone's mentally ill, but they're a tiny bit and they're all pretty. And I'm like, oh, okay, you really? sanitized mental illness in right. a way that makes me mad. That's so interesting because I, re- <laughs> I remember really enjoying Silver Linings Playbook oh, yeah. and I don't think I've really? seen it since like high school. But sort of as an addendum to that, I remember watching that movie and it's widely speculated that Jennifer Lawrence's character in that movie has borderline personality disorder, which I also have. Mm -hmm. So I remember watching that movie and being like, oh, my God, it's me on the screen. Uh, Mm. Like, like, like. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah. Jake's like, no, it's not. No, it's good to see yourself. It's me if I acted out my impulses instead of cutting myself. So okay. anyway, Which, I mean that is acting out of something, but oh yeah, but you know, side it's, note, it's, yeah, it, it, it's an impulse that's aimed at yourself rather than yes. other people. But later on, like a year later, I watched that movie with uh, my younger sister and her friends, and they were all laughing during the scene in the diner where she yells at him, like the yeah. Oscar scene. Yeah, whereas during that scene, I had been like, it, it had been a very cathartic moment for me. And mm-hmm. then to see other, and you know, they were they were like 14 years old at the time. And yeah. they grew up to be all spectacular people. So that's not anything against them. I think that there's something inherent in adolescence that makes you want to abandon sincerity right. in a way. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it's interesting, I guess, to see how portrayals of mental illness are somewhat dependent on which people are watching them. That's fair. Okay. But it's also, I mean, you know, I mean, you talk a lot about depression and anxiety and yeah. stuff and your personal experiences with mm-hmm. them. So you watching Silver Linings Playbook and feeling like... Yeah, this I felt is... like this is you trying to make... You're putting a real shiny coat on some problems. that I get that you're hinting these people have problems, but you're acting like, oh, look how broken they are, but they found each other. I'm like, they're not that broken, and they all look like movie stars. Right. I don't <laughs> believe this. And then it ends in a fucking dance competition. I'm like, your boy is out. I, need I was out so out. I need Silver Linings Playbook to be remade, but nobody has showered in exactly five days. Yes. Like, not, like, <laughs> no like, more, not, no less. Exactly. Wow. It's like becoming a problem, but mm-hmm. okay. Wait, back to Cozy. Quick, speaking of Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. Um, Bradley Hooper's mom in that movie is in Cozy. Really? She plays Cherry, the um, the kind of 
the blonde, shorter oh, woman. That's the she one played, who tries to go in for the kiss with right, uh, right, with, and then she also Josh. beats up um, his friend at the end. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. She plays Bradley Cooper's mom in Silver Linings Playbook, and I didn't know she what was an Australian. interesting connection and an interesting for justification for this tangent. Um, <laughs> exactly, I'm bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. So, what do we all think about? Um, the idea of disenfranchised youths adapting an Italian opera to their own needs. Oh, I like it. They're not youths. They're middle-aged crazy people. Well, I'm just trying to make a connection to the seminal Broadway classic, Rent. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess I have to say I'm for it. Although it's I think not that, perfect. I think that Tony's supposed to be a youth. I think Mark would have done a better job uh, than Could, um, I can Lewis. Test that. Could Mark oh, have... Oh, better job than Lewis? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. A cactus could have done a better job than Lewis. Because I think Mark would have quit on day two and been like, no one understands me. That's I true, which Maureen... is exactly what Lewis does. Yeah, but then he's he's like, well, I'm going to make it work in the end. I think Mark would be like, I'm going to go just hang out with Roger while he does heroin. <laughs> Tony would have been an excellent Maureen. In she could some, be Maureen, yeah. yeah. She could have Not been anymore, because she's yeah. like 40-something. But I, mean, I don't even know her age. They were all she's like going to be so mad when she listens to this. She's a timeless being, Tony Collette. Yeah. She really is. She's looked the same for 20-plus years. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll throw more Rent references then later, right? Yeah. I heard you so guys how do we, we talk about that a lot. Yes. It's a friendship <laughs> entirely based on Rent references okay. and speculation. <laughs> about Rent, mostly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just the occasional Facebook message that's like, do you think Mark from Rent is incel or Valsel? He's incel. He's incel. Is he, oh my God, who do we think is still alive? (laughs) From Rent, nobody. Uh, Joanne's parents. (laughs) I think Mark's alive, Maureen's alive. They both, it didn't work out, let's say. They haven't spoken in 15 years. Oh yeah, they don't talk anymore. They don't talk, Yeah. yeah. But he does accrues her Instagram. Oh, her Instagram, which is on fire. all pictures her of her Instagram. butts with Marxist quotes underneath. Oh my god! All <laughs> her butts. Instagram. It's her butt. Yes. <laughs> Wait, she's actually, and she's also probably like, like Adina Menzel's age right now. Yeah, and, and it's I still her butt. It is my sincere yeah. belief that Maureen, realizing all this shit didn't work out, trophy wifed herself immediately. Yeah. Mm. So that she could do her performance and oh, not true. run out of money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and she's like, she maybe works at like the MoMA. Kind of. Yeah. Not like works there. Like she like does things there that are paid for by her husband. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. She's married to a man, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Perhaps he's in the Trump administration. I'm trying oh. to find a kidding. single note about this movie that I would rather talk about than the future of the characters from Rent. Oh, wait. I have a note. Okay. I um, really enjoyed the High School Musical audition montage. <gasps> yeah. Okay. For the for the opera. Ruth singing I'm So Excited. Well, Ruth singing. Which, okay. For, for, for one thing, it, it sucks because, like, some of the jokes that are laughing at, at, at the mental patients are funny. Well, like the guy but it's on roller all, skates. But it's also like, I don't like this ethically. No, but the guy okay. on roller skates doing like the ballet and then the girl doing somersaults and then she just slaps, like splats right on the, I don't know. I thought that was an excellent bit of cutting. And then Henry, yeah. who is important later, just walking by <laughs> going, can't sing. And then it immediately cuts away from yeah to something else. It was pretty very well edited. The first well handful edited. of jokes were good and then they got bad after a You're while. You're right. Yeah. And honestly, everything that happened at that montage 
is Lewis's fault for not giving them sides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the audition... They went it, American Idol style. It wasn't yeah. for Cossy at that point, right? It was for a variety show. Yes. Oh. And, like, a variety show for, like... Are they, is the proper term inmates? No. I keep no, being... It's I, not. Think, I didn't think so, I but think I don't patience? know. Patience. <laughs> because they never really... But it sure... They're in the prism of the mind. They never called them patients, and they also, mm-hmm. like, but wander that's freely. But that sure looks like the church from Orange is the New Black. So. Yeah, I was confused. I honestly mm-hmm. I made that note. But um, I think um, the most probably realistic portrayal... I want to say realistic, but, like... No, you can say realistic. Portrayal of... Something wrong with someone was um, Doug, the guy with the who like basically was evil. Oh, the sociopath. Oh, the pyro. David Wenham. I... Go burn a cat. Okay, immediately upon his first appearance, I just wrote, I loved him because they ask him how he got out of isolation, the word. and he just goes, "I tunneled my way out." Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's Shawshank. Thought yeah. you in a closed world. Yeah, I wrote that down, and then he raps with a cucumber as a microphone. Just absolutely brilliant. I was like, I, I, I was like, I would die for this man. And then he yeah. breaks into Lewis's house. Yeah, the, it, upon... the movie, it turns wow. into yeah. a, like, like uh, let the right one, not let the right one. Um, last house on the left for a second. Very scary. Yeah, yeah. just like oh, is... home invasion. Oh no. His it's... girlfriend's in the tub. His girlfriend's in the tub. Straw dogs all of a sudden. He and turns he, the stove on, the the stove top on. She has to turn it off. It, it it's, all the lights go out. And what made me so mad about that sequence is how nonplussed Lewis was. Uh-huh. Like yeah, I, I go home. I understand being calm and being, but being calm and being like, you have to go now. You know that you have to go back to to the mental ward. Yeah. But then when he's like, I want to stay here for a little bit. He's like, Yeah, stay on the couch. <laughs> And his girlfriend is like, what is the matter with you? And he, he she goes, call the police. Like, call the mental institution. Yeah. Like, send him like back. I this was just an example of Australians just being so chill with everything for the most part. <laughs> you know what I would kind of love if the first half of the movie was that this quirky, let's try to do the opera, but we're failing, but we turned it to love each other. And then the second half was a home invasion thriller starring the oh. second guy. <laughs> And it just that, was, it was all just a fake out. Oh that would have been God. amazing. That and that should have And they all die like playing Russian roulette because he made them or something crazy. <laughs> oh Turns God. into the deer hunter at the end. I actually like that a lot. <laughs> Better than what did transpire. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we also probably should talk about um, the the cast just one by one real yeah. quickly. Because, the cast are all good. I mean, like the cast of the of Cozy in the show. Like, oh, is in the, the characters. The roles oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I couldn't um, tell any of them well, what's his I couldn't face? tell any of the men in part. The main character, the main like, the guy who suggests the opera is um, Roy. Roy. I actually really liked watching I Roy. Thought he was he, like a three-dimensional character. He was. He had a great performance, and his accent was like literally everything. Jerry. Jerry. He calls him Jerry because of Jerry Lewis, who I mm-hmm. forget who that is. Um, but I know he's important. <sighs> Useless. I'm sorry. Young people. I just had to say <laughs> my it. back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I know who he is, right? I know. I don't. Get no, it. but I don't. You you would lo- will you tell me? He was a, <laughs> a comedian. Do I have to? <laughs> no. He was a comedian and also he was a bad person and then he died recently. Great. Hey, Alex, what was life like before the internet? Um, I re- I'm not even kidding. My grandma had a rotary phone and I oh used my God. it. Yeah. Oh, oh we my. we remember life before the internet, Sam. Barely. I remember circling my first. I spent a lot of time friend. in the woods. I think I first went on AOL in like 1999. No, I and sl- I was born in 95. I had a phone book that I circled my friend's name in in, in 2004. 
So maybe it just oh, was like back I mean, west. Yeah, me too. You but... live in a cutting edge. You've lived in New York. Your whole I mean, life. I wasn't using the internet to like look up people's phone numbers. <laughs> no, but you ha- you might have had more internet than me because I'm. From I was the using west. the internet to make friends. Yeah, I never did that. <laughs> You've done that su- successfully and consistently your entire life. Yes. Anyway, uh, Roy was great. He. What is this? I wrote a lot of. Most of the notes I wrote were like lines, but I'm yeah. forgetting the how they said them now. It's like. It's an opera by Mozart, you low life. Low life is an opera by Mozart. Is that good? I've never been able to do an Australian accent until I've watched these movies. Oh, no. I I, I still will not even attempt. Oh, my God. And then, okay, so then there's there's Roy, then Henry, who's very quiet, keeps a nutcracker in his shirt pocket. I didn't notice that. Um, I didn't notice that. Very interesting. Who's the one who um, attacks his friend? Henry. Okay, because I wrote down one of his lines when um he's the one who's like can't sing the the friend who is being a literal misogynist the entire time. His whole arc is just that he hates women. Um, oh yeah, that scene yeah. in the and diner like where a... just randomly he's like, "Hey, so you know how your girlfriend's probably cheating on you?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Well, she just left to go make a phone call." Yeah, <laughs> and then like you she... know what happens after a phone call, and then she comes back. She's like, "Oh, I, I have to like leave for a, a, a thing," and she and she leaves, and the guy's like, "But she's... were they sleeping together?" No, no, they weren't. I think this movie ha- really ham handedly because I kind of figured because it's a show within a show, yeah, they were gonna toy with the themes of that inner show, the parallel. Yeah, yeah. they did. So I was like, okay, yeah. they're gonna do some Cozy Fantute stuff, Cousy. but they did such a shit job that I'm like, okay, the theme of infidelity is there, but it is not resolved in any it's way. It's literally all yeah. in his mind. And it's all in his mind, and it's never- cheats. Yeah. And he's also kind of a shit to his girlfriend. Oh, totally. Like a complete He's not a good shit. person. And I think the one of the main reason why the other director friend is there is just so that guy looks worse, so mm-hmm. the yeah. hero looks better in comparison mm-hmm. because this right. main dude is not a good person. Yeah. But then they go and see him do his real life like play that happens to be about like someone in the same, an insane asylum. Yeah, I like that scene. I like that scene too, but it was just like. Ugh. Yes, okay. The line that I was about to bring up is when Henry attacks him later on mm-hmm. and he goes, I saw your play. You know nothing of madness. And then just like goes that's, for it. That's like metal. I so was, good. Was, you know nothing of madness. I was like, it's I. Like Game I, of Thrones line. I was like, first of all, <laughs> I think this is a line from Into the Woods. <laughs> you know nothing of madness. Yes. Wow, good job. I love these theatrically literate um, Australians. Should we start talking about Into the Woods now? Um, no. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was an insane asylum and a yeah. hero with an indiscernible personality. This would actually be a good musical. <laughs> I, wish, I, I wish I had a personality. Do you think Cuzzy Fan... No. Cuzzy... Cuzzy? Cuzzy Fan Tute? Do you think this movie would be a good musical? They made Muriel's Wedding a musical. Fair, but that has ABBA songs in it. <laughs> so the parallels between this movie and The Room are wild uh, because it's just a guy. <laughs> it it's just a guy got mad at his girlfriend and wrote a movie about it. That scene where he yells at his girlfriend for like maybe cheating on him. <gasps> he's like, "Did you say with it?" That was so weird. That was so weird. He had already kissed Tony Collette. He had yeah. already kissed her, mm-hmm. and it just harkened back. To what Jamie Green told us last week about Muriel's wedding, when the guy in that was being a fuckhead, it was just like, 
dude, like she's hotter than you. Yeah. Yeah. If I find anything from nineties movies at this point after just watching like four of Tony's movies in a row, is that just like men are terrible. And that's what they only think they made stories about in yeah. the nineties was how but like And no, it's weird but that wasn't what they were about. They were just showing them be terrible and then be forgiven. Yeah, like yeah. the movie somehow would not be about the fact that they were terrible. That would just be a yes. given. I feel like I feel like the way that so many of these movies fail is that we're never really given a reason to root for the it, it's like a benefit of the doubt type thing. Yeah, you default to rooting for him because he's the protagonist. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, well I saw him do that cool thing. And I and I'm good with rooting, not rooting, but like following somebody that I don't like, yeah. but he mm-hmm. has to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, he was fine with an so anti-hero. Bland, yeah. He's just bland, yeah. Yeah. The most interesting thing that he did was during the home invasion scene where his girlfriend says, why won't you call the mental institution? And he goes, because they'll cancel the play. That's true. Yeah. And they already just, had Just because it was so puzzling. Why is that the reason? They cancel the play already. And then they secretly put it on, which he cares so much about them doing, yeah. because Doug burns down the place they were going to do the play. Oh yeah. But then there's magically a larger space. Yeah, it's kind of like the <laughs> contact effect. It's like, oh, there's just another space station. We're fine. <laughs> um, I have real quick smaller scale, obviously. This yeah. also, I wanted to talk about the like theater, like theater community aspects of this, like the jokes. Because, like, mm. it reminded me so much of doing community theater um, and, like, with people who are even more oh, yeah. unstable than these I think, characters. <laughs> I think that part life. of the reason why I didn't really, um, I found myself very annoyed by Roy as a character <clears throat> was because of how many Roys mm-hmm. I've known. Yeah. yeah, people worse than Roy. And yeah. he was always giving everyone notes and, like... Oh yeah, that that was and... the thing that bugged me the most about him because I was like, bully, bully the protagonist all you want. Like I don't care about him. But when he would be mean to the other patients, yeah, and his very last moment, maybe this was actually kind of on purpose as a wink to that kind of person because at the, his last scene, his last time on screen, he like is tripped by Henry and just falls on his face. Like, mm. as they're walking away into the sunset. Yeah. yeah you know what I just realized? Roy has the real hero's journey of this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, he he's wants... the only one who changes. Yeah, he wants yeah. to do a thing. He gets it through means that we don't fully agree with. It gets way too intense, and then he admits that it was all because of his own insecurities. Yeah. And they make him do it anyway because you're in too deep, and mm-hmm. then he pulls it off and then has half learned a lesson. Like, he's got the arc in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Lewis didn't learn anything. He just kind of made out with... Someone yeah. who does wasn't he, his girlfriend follows Does he his break up with his girlfriend no, at any point in this no. movie? Because he comes, still ends making out with Shelly She comes Collette, to the right? play, and then she goes, no, they don't make out at the end. No, it was in the middle. Strange things happen Wait, in the Wait, Louis and Tony Collette? Yeah. I thought that they kissed yeah. again at the end. No, no. they just say uh, they're going to stay friends. Mm-hmm. The girlfriend shows up, and, and then they kiss, and he is forgiven because he is a white man in a 90s movie, yeah, and that's he, what we do with them. She oh goes, see you at home. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But the only person who saw them kissing was um, Cherry, uh, Bradley Cooper's mom, in the when the blackout happened. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's why she's so mad. Yeah, yeah. But she was in love with him too. Yeah. And I feel like this movie more than a Tony Collette movie. It is a bromance between Lewis and Roy. Yeah. Like they're <laughs> the sure. lovers of the. We're gonna put this in musical terms. It's a buddy cop movie. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I love the scene when he. Um, 
finds her singing alone in the uh, in the theater before oh, it burns down. Oh, it's uh, it, it's the scene where Mr. Schuster finds Finn singing yeah, in the showers. Except that she turns around after singing, and like you would think she'd be like, she'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, oh, man, I'm so embarrassed." But she instead she's like, "I'm singing." <laughs> Good for her, because her voice is good. It so is, and she's so good. She sings the credit song as well. She sings a cover of Don't Dream It's Over, yeah. which I wanted to talk about oh, later. Oh, okay. But um, she, like, I just love her character because she's so chill. She's just, like, a drug addict, and she's, like, not actually, I think she's, like, not really technically got anything diagnosed yeah, with she, her. Yeah, she says, she's, she's just like, there. well, the court made me be here or something. Which I guess makes it okay that he kisses her. Yeah. On paper, but um, she's autonomous. It's like how none of the mental patients, none of the other mental patients, or Patrick from SpongeBob can consent to sex. Yeah. Can SpongeBob consent to sex? Yeah. How old is SpongeBob supposed to be? Nineteen, I think. That is a specific number. Although I don't know how I know that. Can who would SpongeBob have sex with? Sandy. He's not straight. Oh, that's so true. Remember when he and Patrick mm. raised the clam? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if not Patrick, then who? Exactly. Squidward, if they both go, well, let's tell no one about Maybe this. Maybe that's the tension. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they already sure. did, and Squidward's just really like, oh, find my worst decision. Yeah. You it's never like a fuck your neighbor. Stand. Squidward. Your coworker and your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Squidward always thinks that SpongeBob is making references to it, like subtextually to torture him. Yes. But SpongeBob isn't. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. He's you're just right. saying things, and Squidward is like, why are you bringing up the time that we had sex? And yeah. SpongeBob's like, I'm not. I asked if I could borrow a cup of sugar. I mean, Squidward plays a clarinet, and I could see SpongeBob just wanting to hear clarinet and thinking that it's a euphemism for his squid dick. Yeah. Oh. And him just like, but I just love the sound of your clarinet. He's like, shut up, SpongeBob. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm trying to. It's gonna make Squidward think noises of for their SpongeBob sense. sexual partners, and I can't. I can't. Well, also he reproduces by budding, so maybe he's asexual well, because he's, we've seen him bud on the show. He is biologically asexual. That yes. is a fact. Yeah. But also he has fingers, so it's anybody's ball game. And pants. And anyway, uh, where are we? He's got a lot uh, of holes on him. So <laughs> just saying. Just why does SpongeBob having fingers mean that? Because he can penetrate someone. He, can... he does have. I was going holes. to and say, he's got a lot of holes. Are he's we a... going to talk about SpongeBob fingering somebody? Uh, well, Sandy? I didn't. I didn't show up. One of I didn't show up here has... intending to do that. But while we're in it, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to talk about this. I don't movie. want to either. Let's stop. <laughs> I don't remember where we were. Um... <laughs> I'm just. I'm just looking through Tony Collette movies, huh? I wrote a. The inmates start. The inmates. <laughs> the patients. They are prisoners. Listen, this is the most problematic podcast. They in, start getting. Uh, that tends to happen where I show up. It just sort of follows me. So they start <laughs> getting backstories. Um, Ruth's husband leaves her. She's, oh, she that cries. scene. That was so sweet. That was really that was sweet. So sad. I feel like for every care, one of the reasons why I feel um, these portrayals, while they're jokey, aren't completely heartless, is they tend to give them all a dramatic moment where they really yeah. emote they as a have, human being. They have moments of humanity, which I do yes. appreciate. And I just Lewis wish... never does. Yeah, that's true. That That is very true. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis never does. Lewis yeah. and, and, and the uh, protagonist of our next film, The Pallbearer, both might be sociopaths. Mm-hmm. Um, 90s white men. Which, yeah. which is AKA sociopath. Uh, but 
I I do like those little moments of mm-hmm. humanity that the patients have. I just wish that they were a little bit like not every one of them has to be devastating. That's true. That's they they fair. could just be like you know having little endearing moments with each other. Mm-hmm. Like I think that and part I think they of do that to a degree, but also. yeah, I think that part of the reason why and I don't know why the only thing that I can think to compare this to is Orange is the New Black for the second time. But mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the reason why that show initially received such acclaim, and this is just, you know, it's just part of the reason among many, many, many. Uh, but it was because of the very, I guess, quote unquote, normal friendships between a lot of the inmates. Okay. They were treated as people, they not would just, as they, an oddity. Yeah, they would just be taught, they'd be talking about like non-prison stuff. Mm-hmm. So they weren't being so defined. Yeah, so it felt like you, the audience could more easily connect with them. Okay. And with this, I feel like all of the humanized moments the patients have are all about like the terrible things that have happened to them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, but I mean. But they still keep it lighthearted. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just chilling. Yeah. I wrote a lot of things about their reactions to, like, being in a in a play or, like, in a... It was very funny to watch, like, like when Ruth was, like, trying to learn her blocking and her lines at the same time. And she's like, okay, so how many... Should I take seven steps to the right or six? Oh, that's so me. I know. And that's so what re- I would do in a play, too. I'd be like, is seven too many? Am mm-hmm. I fired? Help me. And then, yeah. like, when yeah. they were like, what's your animal... That is so oh real. And that is so That's very school. like guy who wishes he was the guy who wishes he was Stanford Meisner kind of a thing. <laughs> we have I've done that so many times, and I used to the, think it was real. The thought of some director in the middle of like just a frenzy of trying to get an actor to connect emotionally to the character, just mm-hmm. going, "What's your animal?" No, but... was so funny <laughs> because yes. that was when his uh, shitty friend was there. Lewis's oh, friend was there, and then and then Roy's watching him direct, and he goes. To Ruth, like, what's your animal? And he goes, brilliant, a giraffe. She's a giraffe. Just, like, uh, automatically. Yeah. 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 And, like, also on a note about his shitty friend that I wrote was, like, when he was doing his own shitty play, (laughs) he dies at the end of it. And then as he stands up to bow and the audience claps, he screams about his own work. Brilliant! Oh, my God. Did you notice that? I did I thought it was so funny. I'm going to start doing that if I'm ever cast in a show again. Um... A note on animal exercises for actors is that when I was very briefly an acting major in college, in my movement class, we had to do animal exercises. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And my professor forced me to be a gorilla because she thought that it was the most different from my personality. Okay. And she wanted me to get out of my comfort zone. Goodbye, $40,000. <laughs> uh, literally. What, a gorilla? What character was it? Um, Annie Sullivan from The Miracle Worker. <laughs> As a gorilla? <laughs> yeah. That is not, that is not even, well. I well, forgot that that exercise maybe was Maybe Jane Goodall the... and then Anne, uh, Helen Keller is, is the gorilla. Oh my God. Okay, this is getting <laughs> no. real problematic. This is getting bad. Like more by the second as we get. I'm just picturing your like, hands. SpongeBob um... could finger somebody. And anyway, uh, <laughs> Helen Keller's a gorilla. Uh... Um, also for that same exercise. Let's just, I... just drive it into the ground. Let's get worse. <laughs> I wanted to be the because this was for a very, very long project for the last, like, two months of the semester where we had to embody an iconic figure from an old movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wanted to be the woman from Gaslight who gets gaslit the entire time. That's cool. But the professor told me that that character was too similar to myself. <laughs> I guess. I've been gaslighting you for three weeks. You haven't even noticed, so. Uh, yeah. 
Where's my bracelet? <laughs> um, oh, one more acting thing that Ruth did was so cute when she was like, I've invented an original gesture. And she just like moves her hands out. I like chest. that a lot. Oh Three my times. God. She's like, it's an original gesture. Yeah. And then so it's good. not. It's like a, a, a so mu- music video, I think. <laughs> oh, wait. So should we talk about the actual pre- performance that they do? Yes. So they're banned from doing it, but then at the night of the thing, the like the public and the um, mental institution staff think that they're doing like a variety show with like the Bee Gees and and Cam and Miranda, like references. But then it's actually an opera, yeah. and it's great. Uh, the props there. Oh yeah, there's like a a stage manager guy who like almost dies, and then they just forget about him. Oh, the the guy with, with the, the accordion? accordion, yeah. There's so much like I don't think it would safe at all to hoist one of the one of no. the patients above the crowd and yeah, let's like, make drop sure her on her face. Everyone operating the machine that could murder someone has at least two mental illnesses. Like <laughs> yeah, at least two. Yeah, I mean Tony was was kind of in charge. Oh, and also Lewis was like in the show too. Yeah, at that point. So dumb. It's like a parallel with the other guys. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my god. It was um, no, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice little spectacle. They yeah. had they pulled out all the stops. Oh, something that I enjoyed not enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> in fact, hated with a passion. Um, <laughs> Just uh at at some point in the movie where somebody is talking about what Cosi is about and it's like, you know, uh, about how women are always like blah, 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 and women blah, blah. I just wrote Cosi equals women be shopping. Uh, oh, misogyny is a tale as old as time. Also, when Tony Collette is like walking down the street with him, and she's like, "Hey, this opera is super misogynistic," and he's like, "Yeah." Oh, but brilliant! That scene and that's when... the only that that's the only yeah. when it... Henry calls it misogyny. No, 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 no. The shitty friend Nick calls it. Yeah, Nick calls it misogynistic, yeah. and then they all get really mad at him and kick him out. And I'm like, wait. Well, no, Nick was the one that's like, oh yeah. They do cheat on you. Oh, because then he was like, yeah, my mom never cheated on my dad when... Yeah, that's the um, saying. Yes, he Henry, beat him yeah. up for... Th- What's interesting to me is that they do have flashes where they call attention to the fact that the opera is misogynistic, but then they just they skip over really it. They never really do anything like like it. Like the journey that should happen just for the reason that it is brought up at all. Like if it was a movie right. where they never address that the opera is shitty to women, I'd be like, okay, at least it's logically consistent that they uh-huh. don't, but they bring it up and then he doesn't learn that. And I, I, do they, are they hinting that he learns that infidelity is not just inherent in wit? Like, yeah. what is the end point of them bringing it up at all where they go, hey, this opera is really shitty to women. Is it supposed to be that he learned that at the end? That, no. that he should think, think better of so. women? Because if they were trying to do that, they kind of cut it off and he doesn't act like he really learned anything. I don't think he did because she comes back to him. Yeah. And then his friend tries to make up to him by like, <laughs> by like meeting a theater entrepreneur in the audience and who's like immediately revealed to be a patient yeah. at the yeah. hospital, which I thought was really funny, actually. I feel like so many of the flaws that the script has come largely from the fact that it was autobiographical. Right. And mm-hmm. probably <clears throat> wasn't edited very well. I feel like more people, more outsiders, should have like taken a pass mm-hmm. at it and been like, yeah. you know, this is unclear, this is unclear, because it feels like it was written by a guy who is filling in the blanks himself in his head. Totally. So like yeah. in it so in his head as he's writing the script, he's like, 
Well, there were so many other reasons why I thought my girlfriend was cheating on me, but we'll just put in this one because it's the only one that directly relates to the plot. Yeah. And Maybe. it's like, well, if yeah. that is why, then the audience is, isn't going to know that by the time you're screaming at her. Yeah. Well, maybe there was actually no infidelity scare at all. He just wanted to parallel. He just wanted to make things interesting. In I think that's way. probably what happened. And or he was actually most likely single the entire time. <laughs> that's called the Tango Lewis. <laughs> um, okay, should we get into awards or does anybody have any like um, miscellaneous notes? I'm on awards, I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm on for awards. Yeah. Okay. So best prop first. Yes. Okay. Do I need to go? Sure. Um, I said the pigs. Um, okay. There's a lot of pigs in this oh, movie. Yeah. I think that constitutes the prop since last week we had a, a human being mm-hmm. as best prop. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it was so weird. They lived like to like a slaughterhouse. Oh, yeah. And then like the pigs were, I thought, potentially symbolic, but they never were. They never were. And then That's at one point they randomly just had a pig in the car with them and then they just released it. <laughs> which maybe they appear. Oh, you're free did. now. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, so yeah, that was my prop. Yeah. Uh, my prop was, there's a scene where the woman who's like in charge uh, of the hospital, the occupational therapist, mm-hmm. like cuts somebody with a pair of scissors accidentally and then just walks yeah. away holding them blade up. <laughs> so kind of Sweeney Todd a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So that's my best prop. Oh, what about you, operatic. Alex? My best prop is... Tony Collette because she is so underused in this movie. She's a glorified story device that isn't even paid off well, and that's not fair. She could do so much more, and also she's on the the still for like the thumbnail of the movie. Oh, yeah. She's barely in the movie. She's the most prominent. I think yeah, face. that's because she. It's because of the Muriel's wedding afterward. star power. Yeah. yeah, no, I think she was she blew up after they filmed it, so she was used as the poster as like. John Travolta and Carrie, which we talked about every oh, week as well. Yeah. He's given like co lead billing with Casey Spacek, <laughs> yeah. even though he's like a supporting character. Yeah. But he was the most famous once it was widely distributed. Gotcha. I think that's why they did it, especially for like an American. Okay. That was what I thought. But also, she's beautiful and she probably deserved that poster anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm, my point is that she's <laughs> so good and she's quite good in this movie working with nothing. And they just, yeah. that, that this, this story arc does her so dirty. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. there to be a plot device that is not even paid off well. And then it's over. And I'm just like, um,. Should we start over this podcast with Hereditary? Because this was like barely a Tony Collette movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She'll, we'll get there. So it's, we'll, it wasn't fair to her, is what I'm saying. We'll, absolutely. Okay. So best Tony moment. Best Tony moment for the character we just established doesn't have anything to do. Do you want to go first, Alex? Yeah, go I'm gonna say first. when at the end, when the opera just goes to mayhem and then she just sings Stand By Me. Mm. And the thing that baffles mm-hmm. me about that is A, it's really it's a cool moment because she's just <laughs> commanding this room yeah. and she's such a good singer. Then they continue with more opera. I'm like, you just did your closer. Go <laughs> your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know from comedy if you get the big laugh but you have another joke, don't do it because you're just gonna run the light and it might not even work. It was iconic though. When she was yeah. just singing, Stand By Me, I thought the song choice was a little bizarre. It was a little on the nose. Yeah. A little on the nose. But maybe that um, song was new to Australia. We know for sure. <laughs> it's only been around since like the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> this is purely a self-indulgent Jumbo moment for me. But um, if Roy was a New York comedian, he would host a Laughing Buddha mic and run the light at his own mic. Oh, yeah. And he would do that thing that I, I saw a comedian do once. 
um, who was gesturing with the mic hand and almost kind of talking into his right hand, not because he was crazy, but because he was so nervous that was just, he had it in his left hand and just, and it was the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I feel like he would do that. Yeah. Yeah. But also Roy's kind of funny. Yeah. He like he goes, Oh, we're gonna be like like Martin and Lewis and then he just mimes smoking a cigarette in he the would, weirdest fashion I've would, ever seen someone do. Yeah, doing. he would do kinda... well. He would do well, but after like the second time that the assistant like holds up yes. his cell phone camera, everybody all of the other comics would be like, You're testing us. He would get the the oddity laugh and then he would get nothing for the rest of his because we'd be like, Ugh. and then nobody would want to laugh once he's. You know how yes. nobody gets any laughs after they see the assistant wave the light, because mm-hmm. everybody oh, just wants yeah. you out of there. Yeah. Okay, uh, well That's my best Tony my best Tony moment was all the times when she would randomly appear and Lewis would say, "Where were you?" and she'd say, "Oh, I, I had to go see my shrink." Mm-hmm. She was always gone. She was always gone. Just always stay in the shrink, doing lines in the laundry room. That's exactly. She what was the I most well-adjusted character, yeah. and she was never acted unhappy at all, even though she was <laughs> goth, or whatever it constituted as goth. She was like a half a goth. She was like an yeah. Australian '90s junkie goth. Yeah. Kind of. Um, what was your best Tony moment? My best Tony moment was the um, <laughs> the cover of. Don't Dream is Over, over the credits for like five <laughs> seconds because I was completely gagged because it sounded like her. And I was like, there's no way this is Tony. Oh, Bennett. I checked. I was looking at the song credits because yeah. they they cut immedi- almost immediately really? from that to a scene where the stage manager is playing accordion oh, for a yeah. pig. Which I did not watch. And There was but, a post-credits like Marvel? Yeah. Literally for the, for the after, Fantute Cinematic Universe? Literally or, after a couple seconds of the credits. Oh, then I probably After, no, barely... 15 seconds of Tony singing a beautiful cover of Don't Dream It's Over, which is a great song. So good. Which I only knew it was her because the, um, well, her accent and then the uh, the credits like said, Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House, sung by Tony Collette. And I was like, so I have to watch this accordion pig scene yeah. instead of hear that. But Okay. Right. Uh, custom awards. Yes. Um, custom Tonys with an I. Yeah. I'll go first. Yes. Um, mine was the Ryan Murphy Award for Casual Misogyny. <gasps> and oh. also for the themes never bothered to be paid off. Because <laughs> I, I gave American Horror Story three episodes. And I was like, does this show know it's a show? Like, what is this? That's me with many seasons. I don't think I've ever finished a season of American Horror Story. I'm, I didn't. I've I'm glad tr- I didn't. I've tried to watch almost all of them. I think the furthest I got was like... A little bit more than halfway with Murder House. Murder House is the best season, though. Yeah. It actually kind of resolves. Yeah, but Most of them don't have a resolution. I don't like the fact that the rubber band is Tate, though. No. Spoiler. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) From 2011. No, I actually love American Horror Story. Uh, It's one of the gayest shows on TV. Okay. (laughs) Uh, My custom Tony is... uh, Oh, what did I say? Oh, Best unbelievable scenario, um, Australian <laughs> edition, for just having no security at a mental institution where some people are highly dangerous and they have closed wards. Um, oh, and it, what about that that nurse that when Lewis is trying to bring back Doug, she somehow does not recognize the escaped patient, the escaped yeah. and just believes pyromaniac. Yeah, and just believes one of them when he yeah. shows up and is like. 
Lewis was crazy. Like, yeah, and even down to the little minor things where, like, literally at the end, he exits the campus and Tony's standing next to a tree outside going, see you later, I'm getting out. Not tonight, though. <laughs> you know, like, okay. I was barely in this movie. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, what's your custom Tony? My custom Tony goes to, it is the award for most 90s way to shatter your spine. And it is to the guy who was dancing on rollerblades. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's During good. that audition montage. I, I was like, oh, that. no. Uh, no, no, no. I love a good Xanadu reference. Was that a stuntman? I hope so. Hopefully. I'm going to say one more thing to wrap this it up. It was an outtake, but they left it in. Okay. I think um, this movie features an opera called Cosi Fantute, and you know what is based on an opera is uh, Rent. That Thank is a you. fact. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, what's better, this or the Rent movie? The Rent movie. The Rent movie. I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't like either of them, so. Rent, the Rent movie is the reason I personally, and probably Sam, are the extent of fans we are today. Okay. I feel like there was a generation of. You know what it is? I feel like the Rent movie was the perfect way for way me in. to get into Rent as a 10-year-old, yeah. okay. which makes it objectively not a good adaptation of exactly, Rent. Exactly, but it introduced But I will never Rent. not love it. It created the second generation of Rent heads. Yeah. It's the only reason we... I mean, Rent was always going to be iconic, but like it was going to be way more of a cult thing. If It was the only the reason why it was current to us. Exactly. That's fair. Which, what would we have even had that came out in high school that was like edgy? Spring Awakening? Yeah. Yeah, we were like in middle school. I was 13 in there. Okay. Yeah. But that probably would have been it, but it wasn't. I was still like afraid of sexual themes when Spring Awakening came out. I had the soundtrack Mm -hmm. on my iPod, but I changed the name of Touch Me to um, Where I Go. (laughs) Oh, because you didn't want to. Because I I didn't want like my mom to like see it or something. I have the libretto in my bag right now. To Spring Awakening? Impulse bought it at Barnes & Noble when it got warm outside. I impulse bought the screenplay <laughs> to Little Miss Sunshine yesterday. Hmm. I'm actually reading the original play, Spring Awakening, and the musical is way better. You're oh, right. yeah. I was in the play. I played this. one of the teachers. Yeah. There's way too many teachers in that. <laughs> I saw it my, my <laughs> so school, and when I was in college, they actually did just the play because I guess the, mm-hmm. they couldn't get the rights for the musical. So they, yeah, and fun. I was like, this is awful. And then oh. I resisted listening to the musical forever and then listened to it like a month ago and I really, really liked it. So it's I'm perfect. reading the play again and I'm like, this sucks. Still it's sucks. Perfect. All right. Alex, <laughs> where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Afosella, A-F-O-S-S-E-L-L-A for my Twitter. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Alex Facella. And uh, my podcast, Broadway Baby, is at Broadway Baby Pod on Twitter. And it's on Broadway Baby. Uh, on iTunes. I also have another podcast called Modern Day Philosophers, and the latest guest was Jackie the Joke Man Martling, and I think Kevin Nealon's the next episode. Brilliant. Because we get like legit famous people on that show. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. When will Tony Klepp be on there? Soon as my <laughs> podcast host uh, reads my 5,000 emails saying, Get Tony! <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um,. We are almost, we're out of time. So I'm just going, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to link to all our social media and stuff in the show notes and who cares. Yeah. Um, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.